Hey gang, thank you for listening to a very unique bonus edition of The Hustle. Here's the deal. I purposely, as most of you know, avoid talking about new bands. I don't mind talking about new music from legacy artists that we love, but I feel like if I'm just going to start covering new bands, then it opens Pandora's box to anything and everything, and I just don't have the time for that. I'm far more interested in legacy artist stories. That being said, I thought this was important enough and good enough to share with you all. Our guest right now is Michael Ciravolo, who is the mastermind behind a group called Beauty and Chaos. Some of you may know what this is. I didn't really know who they were, but I recognize that I believe John Fryer, Wayne Hussey, and Tim Palmer, all three, when they were on the show, talked about the work they were doing with Beauty and Chaos. And a few of you reached out to me and said, do you not know who Beauty and Chaos is? If you don't, you should check it out. What it is, is Michael is very clearly uh, influenced by that goth rock sound of The Mission, The Cure, you know, Sisters of Mercy, that kind of stuff that we love. And John, Tim, and Wayne are some of our more most popular episodes ever. So I know there's an appetite from some of you out there to hear about music like this. Now, if that if it was just Michael making new music, that's good, but that probably still wouldn't interest me. But what's really interesting here is that, okay, Beauty and Chaos have put out two albums, two proper albums, and then two remix albums of those albums. And Michael has collaborated with some of the most far-reaching but beloved artists ever. Robin Zander, Michael Anthony, The Cure's Roger O'Donnell, and Simon Gallup. This right here is Al Jorgensen being Al doing their cover of 20th Century Boy. There's a a former guest, John Fryer, Tim Palmer, Wayne Hussey, uh, Jay Aston, Michael Aston. All these people appear uh, Doug Pinnock of King's X, Ice-T even, all appear on songs by Beauty and Chaos. And I thought, now that is an interesting story that I want to hear. How does a guy, a, no offense to Michael, someone who's you know unknown really, how does he get involved and become big enough to get these people to participate with him on his music? That was a story I thought was worth telling, and that's what we're going to hear about right here. So... If you were a fan of the music that John Fryer and Tim Palmer and Wayne Hussey talk about, then I think you're going to be interested in this, in learning about Beauty and Chaos, if you don't know it already. If nothing else, it may just be interesting to find out how in the world does a guy like Michael get Robin Zander and Michael Anthony come sing on the exact same song? How does that happen? So that's the story we're telling. I hope you guys find it interesting. If you do, check out more Beauty and Chaos because there's a lot of great stuff there. Michael called me from his home in LA. Just so you know, I mean, I came, uh, I was in a band for quite a while called Human Drama, which we were uh, moved from New Orleans. And I mean, we were from that whole goth thing. Yes. Just never, you know, most of the records came out on Triple X. We were on the big Scream compilation, which ended up having Jane's Addiction and quite a few bands that went on big. And then I spent quite a few years with Gene Loves Jezebel, uh, with both brothers and then with Michael. So, okay, yeah. So I I think that the Beauty and Chaos thing is a is a cool story. It's a little different. First and foremost, Michael, I um, you were kind enough to kind of alert me. I think I mean we've had a number of people: John Fryer, Tim Palmer number of people who have 
collaborated with you have been on. And after they did, a few, not just you, but a few people were like, you should really check out this Beauty and Chaos. Both John Fryer and Tim Palmer and Wayne Hussey mentioned it when they were on the show. And I thought, yeah, I hadn't heard of that. I didn't know what that was. And then you sweep in and you send me your CDs and they're so fantastic. And I just thought, where in the world did this guy come from? And how did he get access to all of these wonderful artists who show up on these albums? So tell me where, tell me your background. Where did you come from? Uh, I was born in New Orleans, not from a musical family. Uh, kind of came to a crossroads in my life where I either was going to play football or be in a band. I was had a guitar, but also, uh, you know, had visions of playing for the New Orleans Saints, but being, you know, not not much more than five nine and and not running a four three forty, and then realizing that girls actually like guys in bands more. Kind of kind of picked that road, and uh, you know we we were a band called the Models, which later turned to Human Drama, and uh, you know at that that point uh, labels weren't coming to New Orleans. It wasn't even though it's an amazing music city, you know at that time in the uh, early eighties you had to go to New York or Los Angeles. So we kind of uh, upped and moved to Los Angeles. Uh, mm. Never thought I'd be here that long, but kind of came out here, you know, human drama, we got signed. I was in and out the band quite a few times, uh, you know, and then at the, when we were recording a live album, I actually uh, met Michael Aston of Genius Jezebel and he and his brother were putting together a reunion tour and I was kind of the musical director of that, played with that for a, a tour of the States. And then uh, Michael and Jay had another one of their infamous falling outs and uh, stuck with Michael, did a couple of records with him and uh, just uh, it is, have a family out here, run, yeah. a guitar, run a guitar company, you know, which is a job at Schechter that uh, kind of, uh, you know, if you're not going to be the guy on the stage, it's not a, uh, a bad second choice not really what i grew up thinking i was gonna do but i yeah. always love guitars and so i'm around it it puts me in access and i've become friends with quite a few you know people a lot that uh make up a big part of my record collection amazing let me okay two things i want to say about everything you just said first of all i only just discovered human drama a few months ago i don't know how i missed them because it's right in my wheelhouse but i was at a goodwill or a you know something and i saw the album feel Mm -hmm. there are you do you play on feel no i was in on the uh you know in the demo up to it and then uh sort of had one of my falling outs mm. with okay the guys and, uh, okay went with a session guitar player and uh okay. for, for better or worse you know things happen for a reason and uh it sends you down a path and you know i don't think i'd change it for anything we've Good. you know the guys and I have gotten back together. I played some guitar in the last record. I played most of the guitar in the previous album. And, uh, you know, it, when we get into it, that, that uh, album was what actually kind of spurred what became Beauty and Chaos. Really? So here, so I bought Feel strictly on the look, just from the spine, the cover. What's his name? Johnny? Johnny, so yes. Yeah. One of my best yeah. friends. When I saw the cover, I just thought, I don't know what this is, but it looks just like the kind of thing I would like. And it's from that era. And I bought it and I really liked it a lot. And so it's so interesting that you were a member of that band because I only just discovered them this year, probably. Secondly, I've had Jay Aston on the podcast before. 
And, you know, it's funny when I, when I had Jay on, I set out specifically not to make him feel like he had to talk about fights with his brother, but that's all he talked about. Every question I would ask him that relate, didn't relate to the fights, he would talk about the fights and then he'd say, what was your question? And so, and the last concert I saw before lockdown was Michael Aston here in Denver. Oh, What's okay. your take on the nature of their rivalry? You know, it's it's kind of like the Oasis brothers, but not as popular. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was I I I, I liked the band prior, especially some of their old records like Immigrant and Promise. Uh Sorry. you know, later they got a little uh more watered down. And I think from knowing Michael, that was sort of uh the, the split Jay is far more of the the pop side of it, but they got together and I I did the like did the reunion thing and uh you know it was playing sort of a cross section you know from all the albums but I happened to be in front of a in sitting in the 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 second seat in the van on our tour and Michael was driving and Jay was in the passenger seat and we had picked up House of Dolls at a truck stop you know how they used to have those little uh kiosk thing sitting on the counter with a cassette uh -huh. we bought that and we talked about adding gorgeous to the set so we put it in and i'm like all right that's easy and then it came the motion of love came on mm -hmm. and michael fast forward because it was a cassette not a cd mm -hmm. and jay stops it and it's like oh it's a great song and michael it's rubbish jay it's great it's rubbish michael ejects it and threw it out the window and that that kind of started the uh the, the downslide again, I think there's this weird twin thing. I don't think Jay respects Michael because he doesn't play an instrument. Mm -hmm. And I don't think Michael respects Jay because he thinks the lyrics that he writes are very shallow. So yeah. it's a shame. You know, I've, I've played with Michael on these bills with these Lost 80s shows. Mm -hmm. and, you know, Jezebel playing before Men Without Hats, which is a true one-hit wonder, and a bunch uh -huh. of other bands that are really one song, and seeing Jezebel open for that is is kind of it's a it's kind of a shame. But I think yeah. they brought it on on themselves. I think if they were able to reconcile, uh -huh. maybe, you know, with all with Bauhaus putting their differences beside, and you can probably go down the bands that. Yeah. Just do it like, hey, stay in a separate dressing room, you know, uh, yeah. people will see it. But it, it's kind of a shame. You know, I'm not sure if Wayne told you that we were we kind of covertly got them both on Tower Strength 2020. He didn't <laughs> tell me about it, but I noticed it myself. So yeah. what were, you were involved in the in the Tower of Strength 2020 project. It's so yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm, that's probably, you know, one of the, besides my kids being born and marrying my wife, probably one of the thrills of my life, just yeah. I mean, being on a record with Martin Gore and Midger and Gary Newman and uh, Billy Duffy, go down the list of these amazing people that are on it. You know, from, from Beauty and Chaos and Schechter, Wayne and I have become, you know, good friends and, uh, yeah. we, I kicked around with him the idea of doing one of our songs, Storm which uh, Ashton Knight wrote the lyrics. And I thought the lyric, there's always a light was such a uh, important lyric. And I thought it kind of fit with the whole, the lockdown and the essential workers. And we kicked around that. And we also talked about heroes. And he had, he had said that, you know, a lot of uh, hospitals and, and, and things were hitting him up about 
tower of strength. And he was very concerned about it being self-serving, which mm-hmm. was, there's not a, an ounce of self-servingness in nope. anything of this from any of the artists. Yeah. So I think between myself, probably Tim Palmer, probably his wife, Cynthia, and, and some of the other artists, it, it kind of got him re- realizing that lyrically and just the way that song feels was perfect. You know, he's got a much bigger Rolodex than I do. And, and thankfully, a lot of his friends stepped up. I, I was able to get Kevin Haskins involved. And um, then we started talking about the, the Jezebel twins and, uh, his ba- Craig, the bass player of the Mission, is is friend, you know, is friends with James and Jay, and then I have my relationship still with Michael Aston. So we kind of both he asked Jay and I asked Michael, and we didn't tell either of them about it. So Michael came into my studio and and tracked his part, and Jay sent it. He, Jay was in Europe still from the lockdown and sent his parts, and then. Right at the end, when we were compiling and getting ready to mix, he says, do you think we should say something? You know, I guess the last thing we wanted was one of them getting litigious and like, I don't want to be on with my brother and whining and bitching. So we just kind of each asked them and, you know, to their credit, both of them just, you know, shrugged, said, okay, I think they saw the big picture and, you know, it works well. And it's, and I guess in the back of my mind, I was hoping that, uh, you know, just being stepping outside of Jezebel and being friends with Michael and much less a sense of Jay, just thought that maybe they would take that as an opportunity to put aside just the bullshit. You know, life's short. That's your brother. I mean, those guys didn't when their mom was passing away in Europe, didn't even go in the room together. You know, it's like I, I don't know what could be so devastating to turn turn on a brother that way. But that that's on them, you know, yeah. but I, I thought they had a chance and they kind of uh, didn't take, take advantage of that, but they're bad. It's to a, yeah. It's a shame. It's a real shame. Okay. So let's talk about your beauty. And I always think of beauty and chaos more as a project than as a band, because it's your, you're sort of the mastermind of getting all these wonderful people together to collaborate with you and see what happens. And you've just, we've discussed a couple of them, two or three of them have already come up. Uh, Michael Aston's out there, Wayne Hussey, Tim Palmer. Um, I'm just going to go down the list and I want you to tell me how, the story of how you got some of these people involved, okay? Sure. So for instance, Robin Zander of Cheap Trick and Michael Anthony of Van, uh, Van Halen are on the same song, Drifting Away.
how in the world do you get those guys to come and play with you? You know, I've been, uh, my wife and I have been friends with, you know, Robin and Rick and Tom from the band for quite a while. You know, again, you know, the, my position uh, at Schachter Guitar certainly puts me in the uh, position to meet and be and work with some of these artists. Again, many of, I mean, when I was a kid, live at Budokan and Dream Police, big, big records, the first one, you know, I mean, uh, just fantastic band. And then, you know, it's the, the great thing is you meet people like this. And a lot of times I've been, you know, had the thing of never meet your idol. So, I mean, I don't look at things that, as idol. I mean, to me, musicians are musicians. Some get a break, some don't. But, you know, I mean, Robin's special. But, you know, just reached out, you know, started talking to him, said, hey, would you do it? And he said, absolutely. You know, uh, and it was such a low tech way of he and I working. I had sent him the track and and some lyrics that we had had for it. And he was on the road. He would play it back on his MacBook and then record on his phone as he sang. And then it was such a weird way of working. We sent it back and it's just like, you know, it, it was amazing. And he happened to be coming in town two weeks uh, I think Cheap Trick was opening for like Heart or something. And he said, I'll, I'll come the morning after. So after this guy sings that, I think maybe they played the Greek theater. You know, he's at my studio at noon the next day and just belts it out. And he walks out, not bad for a 62-year-old 60, guy, huh? And just sit, I'm, I mean, I didn't, this was one of the, this was probably the first song we recorded for that record, uh, you know, Michael Rosan, who's the, who produced all the albums and kind of my partner in this, who I, I couldn't do without his, his you know, Pro Tools wizardry, you know, had kind of said, do you think you're going to be able to pull off getting singers? And the first two we had was Robin Zander and Al Jorgensen. And he was like, I think you're going to be able to pull it off. But quickly, Robin came in, did like three takes of it. And then I find myself sitting on the little couch in our studio and then kind of drift a little bit out of your body. And suddenly you're the kid watching MTV and seeing him do dream police or something. Uh, and he turns to me, he goes, what do you think of that? You know, he's, he was kind of comping the harmonies and you just go, yeah, man, I think that's pretty good. And I'm going, what the fuck I'm telling Robin? <laughs> no kidding. Uh, if you didn't like it, could you say, Robin, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I didn't feel that one. Yeah, yeah, who would yeah. say that to Robin Zander, you know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just, and then the way Michael, Michael Anthony, I was introduced with him with one of the guys who worked with me at Schechter, was always friends with him. And we started doing Michael's bass and such a down to earth guy. And I mean, those harmonies, I mean, his voice to me, I was never, didn't come from the metal side of things. Not that Van Halen was metal, but that the, the kind of hard rock stuff was, wasn't really my bag. Uh, but I always knew that, I mean, the way he, he, the way he sang on top Those of high harmonies, boss, no yes. one sounds like Michael Anthony. That, and it turned out that even though you would figure Cheap Trick and Van Halen probably played a thousand shows together throughout the years, they've never been on anything together. And then, and he's like, Robin singing? I'm going, yeah. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. And he comes in, he goes, just give me three tracks. That's what we always did in the Van Halen days. And me and Michael Rosa, I was like, give the man three tracks. <laughs> and he did it. And he's just got, he's just got that thing, you know? He hears that and he hits those notes. And it's just, it's kind of cool. It started being like this thing of beauty and chaos, being able to put together 
pieces that you never would normally see. Like, you know, Man of Faith has Wayne and Simon Gallup, who, you know, to me is the world's greatest bass player. Again, they've never played on anything together and putting them, you know, having them do that and go on top of it being one of our songs is just mm -hmm. so kind of surreal, you know, yeah. to do that. But it, it just worked. But to, to have a record that has, you know, Wayne Hussey and Ice-T on it. And I know. And I think okay. it, it works. And I don't think yes, it, it sounds does. like just a, here's a, comp, a KTEL compilation of nope. songs. It seems like it, it flows well. You know? Totally agree. Um, I, I, the next thing I wanted to ask you about was Man of Faith with Simon and Wayne. Um, I'm curious, when I had Wayne on the show, he grew up Mormon, and so did I. And so we were talking about his, I feel like almost so much of his art or his musical career has been pushing back on religious themes or yeah. embracing them in another way or something, you know, because mm -hmm. of his strict religious Mormon upbringing. He scoffed at that a little bit, but I wondered, did you write Man of Faith and think Wayne is the guy for this? Or did Wayne co-write it with you? Because the, the marriage there of the two, plus the subject matter, plus Simon, is too perfect. I, I all, On all the songs, the all the, the singers write their lyrics. I, I, okay. I, I would never, you know, this is not the type of project. I, I think on that first record, I kind of just... As I sent the songs out, I, I knew the title was going to be Finding Beauty in Chaos. And I always felt that each, per each person would have something different in their life that that is their beauty. And also what different things are the chaos in their lives. That is really pretty much a one sentence. Hey, this is the, this is what the record, this is the cover, this is the title, this is the feel. And they all just kind of took it. And uh, I had sent two tracks to Wayne. And, you know, in Wayne, typical Wayne fashion, he always is, he feels like he's out of lyrics. He's like, you know, I just written a, a mission record, I don't know. And then he sends back both songs completed. And I, I mean, I thought the, you know, the lyrics of that and, uh, you know, the long goodbye are just fantastic. I've always been a fan of Wayne's lyrics, but yeah. Men of Face has this, like when you read them, it is kind of, you know, it seems like it's about sort of a lecherous preacher. And, and I mean, I grew up Catholic, you know, with the whole pomp and circumstance and the altar boy thing and all. And, you know, which has kind of pushed me away from organized religion. Mm -hmm. I still look at myself as a Christian, but certainly not 
a Catholic. And I, th I think he got some of his uh, exercise, some of those uh, yep. things. I mean, you need to read his book. I mean, the, I do. I need to. I felt bad. I try to always read them before the guest comes on and I didn't get a chance. And then I haven't been able to go back to it. But it has a lot about his upbringing. And uh, if y'all both shared the Mormon, you know, religion, yeah. I think you'll see some of that. And, and, and maybe it even enlightens you a bit more of, you I know, it. takes his lyrics. But I believe yeah. And so then, who brought Simon Gallup from The Cure then on that on these tracks? I asked him, you know, I mean, we had with Schechter, I'd been working with The Cure probably since 2003, which is a, you know, this is just quickly how the cure came. Uh, Paul Raven from Ministry was playing our stuff. He was doing a side project with Reeves Grabrells, who had just played the solo on Sorry, Wrong Number. So they both came in and Reeves is like, oh, you're a fan of the band? Let me let me introduce you to Robert. I think he'd like these guitars. And uh, it just started from there. And I've always hit it off really well with Simon. I mean, he's... He's a shy. He's shy when you don't know him, but he's to me he's such a good guy, and uh, we always have just a blast talking. You know, we 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 both like stuff like the Clash, the New York Dolls, Thunders. He's kind. Of, he's probably the, a little bit of the rebel of the band, uh, and we just hit it off well. And uh, you know, I just took a flyer and sent it to him, and he went. You know, a couple. Of, you know, the next days he wrote me back going. Uh, Hey, send me the chords. And then two days later, he's like, I'm working on this kind of moving baseline, like love song. What do you, th you think that'll work? And in my head, I'm going, wow. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he did. And it just works. Uh, so great. And, you know, sitting in the studio, being able to solo Simon's just, and you go, that's, I mean, that you could just walk in and just hear the bass and you go, that's Simon Gallup. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, on on those surreal moment lists, you know. Absolutely. I'm imagining a lot of this is that way for you. Speaking of The Cure, Roger O'Donnell comes in as well on some of the tracks. Did Simon help you get involved with Roger or how'd that happen? No. I mean, I, I met Roger during some of the, the, the long nights hanging and drinking and stuff with The Cure that we've we've done. And it's uh, usually it ends up being Simon and Roger who end up staying and we end up closing a bar or keeping the bar staying open an extra two hours or something. And, uh, you know, me and Roger have always had this kind of a joshing relationship pick, you know, he's like, Oh, these are shitty guitars. And I'm going, Oh, you play shitty keyboards. You, you don't even look goth. So we just always joke, but he came, he came through. It's like, I, I think when he got involved to do the, the remix and end up playing everything, uh, that record out of chaos comes, which is, uh, you know, both records have been followed up with its own remix album. I just hit at the right time, you know, probably if there wasn't the COVID lockdown, he would have been working on the Cure record and probably wouldn't have had time. But, you know, quite a few people that I asked to be involved in that record were just like, yes, you know, I think just out of wanting to jump into doing something musically. And I think I got his remix back with all his keyboard arrangements and everything, uh, probably in a week. So, uh, I mean... You got to look for a silver lining in, in everything. And I guess, you know, that was the silver lining in COVID is people that probably wouldn't have had time, uh, you know, lined up quickly. I mean, I yeah. got Tim did three remixes on the record. You know, I had Richard Fortas, who was uh, 
I have always loved from his love spit love days and yeah. I've seen play with the first, not so much about guns and roses again, not my cup of tea, but what he does now, but always thought he was a brilliant guitarist and he plays on one of the remixes and Simon Hinkler from the mission, you know, who again would have been on tour, but had something to do was like record, make music, you know? Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Now, um, one of my favorite songs of yours is Stranger. Yeah. And uh, there's a really fantastic, remind me the name of the li of the female who sings it. Uh, Kat Leon from a band, Holy Wars. Holy Wars. I didn't know her, but I love her singing on these songs. And there's a really great remix by John Fryer, who we had on the show, I don't know, six months ago or something like that. Um, who came up with uh, Stranger? In fact, there are many different remixes of Stranger, and I like all of them, but yeah. I especially like the John Fryer one. Tell me about I, it. I think that, you know, that song certainly because of how open it is, lends itself, you know, and I was glad that there's like kind of across the board, like John's remix certainly has that 90s, Nine Inch Nails, Stabbing Westford, Gravity yes. Kill vibe yep. to it. Uh, yet there are some other ones that really go down the Cocteau Twins, this Mortal Coil, you know, feel of it. But musically, that was a song, you know, when when I was doing uh, the uh, the calm before the storm before the calm, uh, when that record was originally going to be like a four song EP. And I had the four songs that sound that that fit. But I had this music that Michael and I were working on that would later become stranger. And I just felt putting that at the end of the EP uh, that would lead into what I'm doing next, which is going to be a record with all female singers. And I just mm. thought that was the, the perfect lead into it. And it just became such a gorgeous song. Kat did a great, I mean, such, I mean, she writes real heartfelt lyrics, is which I think attracted to me wanting to work with her. And, you know, I think everybody that's in Beauty and Chaos, I, I tend to gravitate to singers that, that write you know, good lyrics, but lyrics that are open to interpretation. I've never been a fan of literal uh, lyrics. And I think these, uh, you know, 
everybody that writes, especially Stranger, which, you know, she, she lost her parents at a younger age, kind of uh, not far apart in time, like six months, like she was, you know, suddenly no parents. And I think that's been her, you know, what she gravitates to when she reaches down. And I, I think she brought that out fantastic and strange. So good. It's so good. Okay. So you mentioned him earlier, Ice-T. You have Ice-T and Doug Pinnock from King's X on the same song, Unnatural Disaster. When you Again. look at when you look at the remix, we have Zach Wilde playing the solo. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, talk about you know odd collaborators. Tell me how this one came about. You know, I mean, uh, Schechter, the, my Schechter job got me. You know, that's where I met Doug. And again, King's X. You know, I remember Dog Man from MTV, but again, that was a little technical. You know, not my cup of tea. But Doug's such a nice guy, and everybody sure. is just like. Doug's great bass player. I, I thought he was soulful singer. And we were just uh, at one of the NAMM shows. I was starting to ask people and uh, we're in our little backstage thing, you know, I think drinking Jägermeister. And I said, Doug, would you ever think of doing this? He goes, for you, I'm going to write a great song. And it's like, I mean, we, we sat down, we talked about our upbringing, bringing, you know, I think he was either lived a lot in Texas and, you know, they had the, the, Hurricane Harvey and me being from New Orleans with Katrina, that kind of uh, just developed that song. And uh, we were already with Schechter, we were working with Ernie and Vince from Body Count. And uh, I just said, hey, do you think Ice would do this? And uh, Ernie, Vince, who I've known forever, called him and I said, you take care of my boys, I'm in. And, uh, you know, knocked it out and Ice was even in the video, you know, so... It kind of fits that it adds like Doug's really soulful, and then that the, that breakdown section, Ice just spits his venom, you know. But it but it fits so well, and then you got Zach who probably played more notes on that solo than I did on the entire two albums. <laughs> <laughs> True, yeah, um, yeah. It, it's so much fun just seeing who's going to pop up on each song. Okay, one of the. One of the coolest things that you have going in this whole project to me is Roland Bolin, son of Mark Bolin, coming on and singing 20th Century Boy. Francis is fine. Francis is good. Everybody says it's just like 
Now, there's also an Al Jorgensen version of 20th Century Boy, which is Al being Al. Yeah. No mistake. No mistaking who that is. But when Roll, how how did you get Roland to come be? That had to be kind of amazing. I mean, yeah. he may not be the biggest name we've talked about, but the connection to having uh, the son of the guy who is a yeah. legend writing this song and on your on your song, how does this happen? Yeah, I mean, if you look back and you know when you do read Wayne's book, you see how big uh, Mark Bowen and T Rex was to him, and you know it was a huge reason. Like when I was, you know, 13 years old, 13, 14, sitting in my parents' house, you know, waiting for the late night in concert or Don Kirshner's rock concert or whatever late night TV show was on. That's where I was, you know, saw T-Rex, David Bowie, uh, Slade, Alice Cooper, like these bands that really went, I want to do this. I was as a kid, you know. Everybody was, you know, my friends that were into music were into like Led Zeppelin and Moody Blues and Yes and the shit that just like, what? But I gravitated, like to me, no one in my school knew who the hell Slade was, much less T-Rex. And I always thought 20th Century Boy was probably one, if not the best rock and roll guitar riff uh, around. And, you know, Electric Warrior and Tanks and stuff were just records I kind of grew up with. And then to find out that later that that was such a reason Wayne was in on it. But uh, I knew somebody at Schechter that was uh, doing like these like little jam nights. And they said, Roland sometimes comes out and plays. When could you introduce me to him? So he, he got he got me his number. I called him and he was a little you know, like, well, let's get, get together and talk. And then when we got together, like over coffee, just hit it off and uh, nice guy, just, uh, you know, it's such a, to not know your father after two, you know, it was, I think, think he hesitated a bit, but I think once we met and he saw that this was coming, you know, I told him how I wanted to do the song as a I, I didn't blame the Al version. I just went, hey, we want to do on this record something that is really a tribute. And I had an idea for the video really looking like Top of the Pops and and kind of just, you know, really a tribute to your dad and what he did. And uh, he was all in. And when Wayne found out about that, there was no way he was not going to be involved. Wayne does some nice background vocals, all the high harmonies and stuff is Wayne on it. And he flew over and for us to do the video, but I think probably the coolest moment we finished, we did this little scene where we had some friends there and they shot these confetti guns to make it just look like a, a cheesy seventies TV thing. And then, uh, Rowan looked like we kind of got together by the microphone and Rowan looks at me and Wayne, he goes, I think my dad would think this would have been really cool. And it's just like, wow. Oh my gosh. Uh, that made it so, so, so worthwhile. I think, yeah. I think both Wayne, I, my wife and everybody that was involved in it was just like that. This is something, this is something cool. Yeah. And then that's, I think next year, Mark, uh, they finally, you know, after how many years, 40 something put T-Rex in the rock and roll hall of fame. You could just go down the list of bands that wouldn't be bands if there wasn't T-Rex. Totally agree. Totally agree. The rock hall needs to get its act together when it comes to alternative rock, especially British alternative rock. Talk about, I mean, The Cure finally made it, but there's also the Depeche Modes and the New Orders and the Smiths and those kinds of bands, the Joy Divisions, whatever, that deserve to be there. But because Rolling Stone never gave those bands the time of day, the rock hall doesn't either. And they're just as, I mean, they're just as uh, blind to 
the heavy metal guys, the Iron yeah. Maidens, the Judas Priests, those guys too. They deserve it too, you know? I mean, T-Rex never had a, a really, other than Bang a Gong, you know, never had anything in American radio. Slade didn't have anything until Quiet Riot did songs, you know, and it's like I was appalled when I heard the Quiet Riot version, you know, because I already had that album as a kid. But, you know, it, it certainly opened up people to, to figuring out some of these bands and you go down the list and going some of these bands, T-Rex, Slade, Mata Hoople and all had, you know, crazy amount of British top 10 singles where, you know, basically did nothing in the States, which is kind of a shame. I think to a certain extent, the mission's the same way. I think when I remember listening to Wayne talk, like how hard it was for them to tour here, because, you know, you, you grow up and you think, well, Butterfly on the Wheel was a hit. Tower Strength was a hit. Severina was a hit. Deliverance was a hit. But when you really look at U.S. charts, it was more college radio. Exactly. And not the thing that, that puts, you know, four, five, six thousand people in a, an arena or yeah. a, a hall for them to play. So yeah. which is really a drag. It is a drag. Huge. Well, I wanted to focus on you know, some of the bigger names that you've been able to collaborate with on this project. But I got to ask before we finish up, who who would you like to collaborate with? Okay, there's who you would like to collaborate with. And then there, like with me, I mean, there's people I would love to interview for the podcast, but they're just not going to happen. I would never interview Bono. But there might be somebody that's just slightly out of reach. Is there somebody that you might be able to get on here that you're dying to get on a Beauty and Chaos album? I mean, I'd love to have Robert Smith on it. Yeah, you know? uh, I I, I've asked him a few times and it never seems to be the right time, which sometimes maybe it's not the right time because they don't want to. But, you know, I'd actually sent him uh, in the, the song off the first record that became uh, I Will Follow You, the one Evie Vine did. I just thought his voice would have been great on that. But then, you know, again, things happen for a reason. I told Evie that that was doing. She goes, well, if Robert will sing that, you know, go ahead. But she sent the song back and it was perfect. You know, to me, that's the song. So that's the reason, you know, that that song came to be. You know, I had talked to Peter Murphy because I, you know, over the years, known him quite a bit. Uh, I don't. I think I would have had a better chance before the Bauhaus reunion. Yeah, now, probably. That now they're they're probably kind of big and you know might not happen. I'd love to have Shirley Manson, you know, yeah. or, you know, say I've 
just think she has an amazing voice and you know her you know her lyrics are pretty pointed and stuff but you know i i knew that it was going to get to a point that if i wanted this to continue and not just be a novelty uh i had to just it it couldn't just be about who's who you know who are you going to get next who are you going to get next that's why i think part of uh the storm before the calm you know i have curse mackey i have uh steven Seabold, cat leon and rafe who aren't names but are, you know now i think my focus is just finding great singers uh to be part of and then you know trying to get people that go hey if you like this if you like cat stuff look into holy wars if you like curse look in his stuff if you like steven go back and look at hate department you know in the bands like that and i did the, the first record not to jump back but you know that came from a little bit of frustration about the human as we decided to do a new human drama record i wanted to kind of maybe rekindle part of like the feel of feel and johnny had is is pretty beyond that and it's a little more low-key a little bit more leonard cohen you know that kind of vibe uh and i i kept trying to interject you know in me my guitar style was more textural and effects and things like that you know when i couldn't cram that in there i, I think the frustration was boiling over and that's when michael Rosan went just do your own record you know and to go yes well, uh, yeah i'll do my own record and suddenly the reality goes i gotta do my own record yeah you know, to make it it kind of work but uh it's just been evolving from there but on that record i i just went i'm going to do all the guitars and there's going to be no keyboards on it and i think we did a great job on that if you listen back to it there's parts that sound like mellotron and strings and choirs are all manipulated guitars there's not yeah. one one thing where either of us press a plastic key and, and make the sound uh which song are you talking about oh the entire first record They're okay yeah yeah okay i kind of even stole the old queen moniker from like queen 2 i hit it hit on the back and no synthesizers used i put that on the back of the record remember yeah. that as a kid that always kind of stuck in with me uh right. but, but now as it branches i think you know i mean i've always because of Schechter, I, I know a ton of just brilliant guitar players so now i'm starting to like bring in some different players and things like that it may not always be like here's the name singer uh but you know i'm just it, it has to evolve at some point the rolodex runs out and then it just becomes a novelty thing of just you know seeing who will step in but i still hold out hope for robert I'll, I'll continue to ask Peter and there's probably some people I'm for, forgetting that, uh, I mean, there's, you know, that I grew up with, I'd love to have on the record. What about Andrew Eldridge? Do you think he'd do it? <laughs> not, not once he heard that Wayne was on it. That's what, okay. I wondered about <laughs> my, that. My only contact with Andrew would be through Wayne. So yeah. I think the last time I think Wayne had to sneak in to, to see him, uh, at a show in Brazil, I, I still don't think they speak. Well, that was, I, I like everything you just said, Michael, because my feeling on this was I, I love this style of music. It doesn't, I, I'm not even, I mean, there are, maybe my favorite song of all is Temple of Desire.
And that doesn't even, I mean, that's Rafe Perlman. I don't know who Rafe Perlman is. Yeah, he's uh, a, a, a Tyler Bates is a, a longtime friend. And you, the, main, the name might not uh, stick with you, but he, he, he wrote and played guitar in the last two Manson records. But really his claim to fame is, I mean, the, the, the guy's done Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2. He's done all John Wick. He's done Sucker Punch. I mean, he's it's done... lesser known, but I have the soundtrack to Get Carter, oh, a remake that Sylvester yeah. Stallone was in, yeah. and Tyler Bates is on wow. that soundtrack. I mean, he's been a friend. I think I met Tyler in 93 when he was in a band called Pet that was the only band signed to Tori Amos' label. Mm -hmm. And he's a brilliant musician. He's probably one of my best friends in the world. And him and Michael Rosan both had worked with Rafe before and that that song when we came up musically it uh was probably something really different not something i i usually would write it's got some strange chord changes that i i think we felt that if, if you just an average singer most singers would just kind of blow through the major and the minor you know changes and it just be linear and i said you need to rafe is fantastic and he just did such an amazing job on that song it's probably the song that sticks out maybe doesn't fit quite as well on that record but yeah, that's why i like it i don't know it's just uh, different it, and he sounds a lot cool. like morrissey to me and i love yeah i don't never, politically we we don't like morrissey anymore he's kind of been canceled but i still have a soft spot for no i was never i always liked johnny Moore more than morris yes. smith would never my you know certainly it, great band but mm -hmm. yeah i thought it had more of a radiohead vibe to it but mm, yeah it's just it's just a cool song and yeah. uh rafe does some amazing stuff so yeah that's that's yeah. kind of i think where beauty and chaos heads now is there certainly i'll ask people and there'll be different bass players and maybe some guest guitarists and stuff like that but to me like as i, I go into this next record uh you know that i try to give myself some some box that i have to work in like that first record was strictly no other guitar players no keyboards and this next one is going to be that we we're going with all female singers that's so, cool so yeah, cool sometimes limitations are are certainly a good thing absolutely they bring on new creativity yeah that's that's why i mentioned temple of desire because i'm hoping that by mentioning any of my listeners who don't know beauty and chaos their ears perk up when they hear names like Robin Zander or Doug Pinnock or Tim Palmer or whoever, you know, Michael Aston. Those guys, I like all those bands. They're doing other music that I don't know about. I need to check that out. But if you like that style of music, it doesn't matter who's on the, the track. The novelty part, you're right. Maybe the thing that draws you in, which is what I'm I'm hoping to kind of lead our lead my listeners that direction. But if you like that kind of gothicy, rocky, um, you know, cure mission type sound. You're going to love Beauty and Chaos. There's a ton of stuff here to uh, to experience. So that's why I wanted to bring you on to talk about it. No, I appreciate that. I mean, that's where I cut my teeth. That's where I think I really developed a a style for good or bad, whatever. You know, I'm not the uh, most technical guitar player, but I think I do have developed a sound. And maybe that's come from not playing. I've never played in a cover band. Mm -hmm. I can't and sit there and go hey let's jam to you know stairway to heaven or so it's like huh I, but i think it, it it you know made me at least develop a sound as we're talking about that one uh an artist on the first record ashton knight uh yeah 
I didn't no. know who that was either. You, you'll like it. his stuff. And I mean, he's got a massive catalog with his band, The Awakening, which mm. is, is, is gothic. Uh, you know, it has that. But just, I mean, the song Storm was what really made me, you know, like I mentioned, the first two people that came in were Robin Zander, you know, which I did a song that, that was older that I had already written with a band that was in in the 90s. And then 20th Century Boy was a cover. So it was like, okay, is this going to be a two song, two and done thing? And I wrote the music, what became Storm and send that to Ashton. And when he sent it back, it was like, I just went, you know, this is, it gave me the confidence that this was going to happen because it was a new song. The lyrics were great, you know, and his line, there's always a light has always to me has been kind of this thing of hope that I like to kind of weave throughout everything we do. But for your listeners uh, that like that type of stuff, to jump back into what Ashton does on his solo work and also his The Awakening, uh, I think they'll be really happy. Great. I hope so, too. And uh, thanks for chatting with me, Michael. I, I just think it's really amazing what you've pulled off. Um, the music is great. The guests are noteworthy. It's a really fantastic project and creative endeavor. I think, and I just thought it was fascinating. I wanted to hear more about well, thank it. You. I'm glad you, glad you were, wanted to hear the story. I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's cool and it's kind of nice to, you know, it isn't a band, but I've talked a bit to myself about, I, before this ends, I'd love to figure out a way to put it on stage. Oh man. Uh, so that, it, I, I, I think we'll figure something out. The more singers that are involved, the more chance I have of getting eight or 10 of them together for an evening. Uh, so it's something that's on, hopefully, you know, can happen. Hope so, man. Hope so. Thank you, Michael. All right. There you have it. Michael Cervolo. Get on Spotify, get on Amazon, whatever you do, but check out those Beauty and Chaos albums and the remix albums. So I want to close it out with another track. This is The Delicate Balance of All Things, featuring vocals by Wayne Hussey and remixed by Tim Palmer. I mean, these are people we love, and they are working with Michael. So if you're like me and you like to know everything your favorite artists are doing, and if it's good and if it sounds like the stuff in them you already love, then you're especially interested, I thought learning about beauty and chaos might be worth your time. So anyway, check out Michael's uh, very active on Twitter, uh, very active on social media. Check it out and give the albums a try. Okay. We will be back on Tuesday. I think I've already let everyone know our guest this week is Dennis DeYoung of Sticks. So that's going to be awesome. You know it is. All right. Thanks, everybody. And thank you, Yan, for putting this together and uh, being my right-hand man in all this. All right. Take care, folks. We love you.
Thank you.